Good morning. Welcome once again to joining us for our online service this Sunday. Throughout the circuit breaker period, I am thankful and also proud of the op production team for putting together the online services every week so that we can connect together as a church. Our church has also started to have Holy Communion services in groups of 50 packs aligned to the current safe distancing measures. And I want to encourage all of you to join us, if you can, as we seek to restart our physical services. Details can be found in our church e-bulletin. If you are viewing our online service for the first time, I want to also warmly welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning. You can find out more about our church activities during this season on our website. Feel free to join us more often, and I look forward to meeting you in time to come. For some of you who may not know me, my name is Louis. I'm just one of the many leaders who are serving in the church and I'm honoured to be able to bring to you God's word this morning. A special thanks to the pastors for giving me this opportunity to share God's word with the church this morning as well. The month of August is outreach month for our church and we are taking time to appreciate all the outreach ministries in our church, like missions ministry and witness and evangelism ministry. In particular for today, we are celebrating the faithful efforts of our Christian Outreach and Social Concerns Ministry, COSC for short. COSC ministry's aim is to express God's love and concerns to society through our participation and engagement as a church with the needy in the community, with a primary focus within the community of Amokyo. And this translates to helping and caring for people facing difficulties, hardship or distress, mobilizing and training our church volunteers to participate in various initiatives and also to partner suitable social agencies to help low-income families. In short, the ministry is about caring and helping the needy in our community. So to show my deep appreciation for COSC ministry and to encourage the church of its importance, I have chosen a passage this morning that reminds us about the importance of caring and helping the needy in our community. The scripture text is from Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. The passage is sometimes known as the judgment that will come with Christ's return, or sometimes referred to as the parable of the sheep and the goats. Depending on whether you see it as a parable or not, for ease of sharing, and without going into too much technicalities, I will refer to the passage as the parable of the sheep and the goat for ease of sharing. The important point is really not about what you call the passage, but what God is teaching us through the passage. So while some of us may not even remember about a parable about sheep and goats in the Bible, I'm certain most of us will remember Jesus' teaching us that when we show care for needy people, whom Jesus termed as helping the least of this, we are actually showing care for Jesus himself. Well, this passage which we are looking at this morning is the one passage of showing this teaching and we are going to dive deeper this morning. So let's read the scripture passage 
Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. Verse 31, Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before Him, and He will separate people one from another, like a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. He will put the sheep on His right hand, and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, verse 40, I tell you the truth just as you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it. For me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not receive me as a guest, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Verse 44, they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not give you whatever you needed? Then he will answer them, I tell you the truth. Just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And verse 46, and this will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for giving us your Word this morning. And I pray that as we take time to meditate upon your Word, let every one of us who are listening be attentive to what your Holy Spirit is saying and help us, O Lord, to become more like you and to have the love that you have for us for the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I have shared earlier, the passage which we have just read is sometimes known as the parable of the sheep and the goats. To help us understand and appreciate the passage better, let me first provide us with some background and context to the passage. For a start, this parable is only found in the book of Matthew. If you are new to the parables in the Bible, suffice to know for a start that some parables are found in all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, what we call the Synoptic Gospels, because they are very similar in content. These parables, likewise when found in two or three of the Synoptic Gospels, are usually similar in content, but they also contain small but important differences. Some parables are found in two or three of the Synoptic Gospels, while some are found only in one. 
What this means in terms of proper interpretation is that if a parable is found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, then the proper way to interpret that parable is to look at it in all three Synoptic Gospels so that we can interpret the parable holistically, taking into account all the similarities and differences. In terms of preaching, what this means is that it usually translates to a longer sermon. Okay, I see some smiles and relief on your faces. Today's passage on the parable of the sheep and the goats is only found in the book of Matthew. So what it means is that we only have one passage to look at for proper interpretation, but whether it translates to a shorter sermon, God willing, and we shall see. The next thing to note about this parable is that the parable of the sheep and the goats is the final section of Jesus' teachings on the Mount of Olives, or what scholars will call the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse refers to the passages in Matthew 24 and 25, and it deals with the signs of Christ's return and events associated with it. So the context of the parable of the sheep and the goats is set in the end times. It is eschatological in nature, and hence when we interpret the parable, we have to think in terms of future events and in terms of what is to come, and not what has already happened or is happening now. So with that frame in mind, let us now look at the parable in greater detail. As a quick summary, and if you will follow me with your Bibles, the parables provide us with an analogy of the separation which will take place at the final judgment. This is followed by a detailed explanation of the reason for and the significance of this separation. In Jesus, the parable informs us that in the last days when Jesus returns, there will be a judgment by Jesus himself. The judgment will separate the people into two groups, one group symbolized by the sheep which represents the people who are safe and they will enter into eternal life. And the second group symbolized by the goats represent the people who are not safe and will enter into eternal punishment. The main difference between the two groups at least highlighted in this parable is their active care and help for the needy in the community. In the case of the sheep, or in lack of, in the case of the goats. Just in case there are goat lovers listening to me online this morning, let me assure you that there is nothing wrong in loving goats. This is a parable. And so it's just an analogy for Matthew to inform us that as part of the last judgment, people will be separated one from another, in the same manner as the shepherds, separate the sheep from the goats in those times. Matthew is just using a cultural phenomenon in Jesus' time where the sheep and goats were sometimes herded together down an opening that was wide enough only for one animal at a time, and a shepherd would sit atop the fence, swinging the gate back and forth to guide each animal through the appropriate opening to join its own kind. The analogy is to help Matthew's listeners understand and appreciate better of what was going to happen, and in this case, the kind of separation which will take place in the last judgment. So relax ah, if you are a goat lover. Don't email me immediately after this sermon about goats. 
In verses 37 to 39 and 44, both groups expressed surprise when confronted with the fact that they had kept and helped Jesus himself or lack of. And we will look at what this means in greater detail later. This parable also highlighted the difference in end point as one goes into eternal life whilst the other enters into eternal punishment. Moving on to interpretation of the passage. Firstly, the use of sheep is a common representation for Israel as the people of God in the Old Testament and in the Jewish writings. The use of goats is not. Hence, we can take the sheep in this parable to refer to individuals who have truly believed in God and received the gift of salvation. In other words, the people who are saved. And the goats to refer to individuals who never believe. In other words, people who are not saved. The parable, which seems straightforward, has also been problematic and in recent years has become the source of disagreement among scholars. In the interest of time for today, I will highlight and discuss two issues, the more prominent ones, to help us gain a deeper understanding and appreciation of the parable. And after that, I will suggest three practical ways which we can apply the main teaching from this parable. The first issue we want to tackle together is the meaning of the expression, one of the least of these brothers or sisters. Who is this group of people that Jesus is referring to, that we need to extend help and care for? Even within this question, scholars also have diverse views. You can trust biblical scholars to always think wide and deep on these issues. In order not to lose you, I will only cover two views, which are the more common ones. If you want the exhaustive list, you can drop me a note after today's service and I'll let you know. The first view is known as the universal approach, where it interprets the parable as describing the final judgment of all persons, including Christians and non-Christians. The list of brothers or sisters refer to all needy persons. The second view is known as ecclesiastical approach, where the least brothers or sisters is scoped in a narrower way to refer only to needy Christians and not just any needy persons. For the budding scholars in our midst, the other views describe further reference points along the spectrum, moving towards narrower definitions like limited only to the Jews. Based on my current reflection, my personal view is that Jesus, in the use of brothers or sisters, was referring to needy Christians and not all needy persons. This is primarily because the use of terms brothers and sisters often refers to those in the household of God. The Jews and early Christians called each other brothers, and Matthew himself also used, although makes, the term to refer to Jesus' disciples. The term brothers was also used in the early churches as well when the Christians referred to one another as brothers. Feel free to come to your own theological conclusion. But regardless of whichever position you adopt, whether you think that the use of brothers and sisters here refers to all people or only to Christians, or even more narrowly to Jews or missionaries, the main point of the parable does not change which is for us to develop an attitude and habit to care and help the needy.
The second greatest commandment that Jesus gave us was to love our neighbors as ourselves. So anyone who has a need, be it whether the person is hungry or thirsty or homeless or lack of clothes or sick or in prison in need of comfort and encouragement, let us extend care and help and meet that need. Because the parable informs us that as a principle, just as we did to any of these needy people, we are doing it unto God himself. And that is why today we celebrate COSC Sunday. Because we want to acknowledge and celebrate the good work done by COSC. Not many of you may know, but COSC ministry is the ministry in our church that runs the tuition program for the children in our neighbourhood. COSC ministry is the ministry in our church that coordinates and sends volunteers to the senior activity centre at the nearby Tegi area to care for the seniors, encourage them and help meet their needs. COSC ministry volunteers are the ones who does the monthly visitation to Renzu Nursing Home and administers the bursary awards for the needy families in our neighbourhood. And during the earlier circuit breaker period, COSC Ministry is the ministry that initiated the financial aid to members of our church who may be affected by the COVID situation and help them in whatever ways we can. During the COVID period, I was also personally experienced and seen two of my cell members being impacted by COSC Ministry. Their situations were affected by the circuit breaker measures They are thankful for the temporary financial relief given to them by the church through COSC's coordination. And until this week, when I was talking to them, they are still talking and sharing about how much God has blessed them through the church in this difficult season. Wow! Talking about helping and caring for the needy is like doing it unto God Himself. I think COSC ministry volunteers have seen and done much for Jesus many times over through the months and the years. So if you will help me, let us have a special shout out to COSB Ministry and their volunteers in the chat page right now. The second issue we want to tackle together is in verse 46, where the parable describes the end outcome for the sheep and the goats. The sheep into eternal life and the goats into eternal punishment. On surface reading, it may seem that the parable is promoting a salvation that is by works. That means if you help and care for the needy, you will be like the sheep, you will enter into eternal life. If you did not help or care for the needy, you will be like the goats and you will enter into eternal punishment. Some will debate that the relationship between the salvation granted in verse 34 and acts listed in verse 35 and 36 is actually a cause and effect relationship, hence promoting a theology of salvation by works. Let's pause for a while here. Is that really what the parable is saying or teaching us? The short answer is definitely no, because we all know from the Bible that we read is that salvation is never by works, but 100% by faith and the works of Jesus Christ. So how then should we understand this part of the parable? Firstly, we must remember that the parables are not whole systems of theology in themselves. They are limited analogies 
and we interpret them correctly only when we stay within the analogies that they propose or they are intended to. That means don't overread the parables. Secondly, we must interpret the parable in the context of the whole Bible and in passages where the Bible are plain and clear. We use them to guide the areas where clarity is lacking. So in terms of salvation by faith and grace, we have verses like John 3.16, For this is the way that God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Romans 10.9 Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. These verses, among others, spell out to us clearly that salvation is totally by faith and by the grace of God and not by works or anything that we can do. Hence, my interpretation of Matthew's intent is to use this parable to remind us that as Christians, and that means assuming that you have received the gift of salvation already, we have to live a life of obedience and discipleship marked by love and mercy. And this will include showing care and help for the needy. In keeping in line and reinforcing Jesus' rejection of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, Matthew is more concerned about the lack of authentic obedience than about anyone trying to earn salvation by works. His burden is for all of us who are safe to have a discipleship that is evidence in love and mercy. Matthew's question from the parable to all of us today is whether we who are safe are a people who is characterized by the love and mercy evidence in God's kingdom. Or are we characterized by totally no concerns for those who are in need? True salvation in Christ will lead to Christ-likeness and acts of love and mercy. These acts of love and mercy are not done as a means to an end. This is not salvation by works, but these acts of love and mercy are expressions of our knowledge and experience of God's love. The parable focuses on the least for good reason. If people had known the identity of the king, they would have acted differently. Kings we treat nicely, the little people we usually ignore, which only shows that we act from selfish motives. But compassion has no other motive than meeting a need. It springs from the love and mercy which we have first received and experienced and now desire to extend it to others. So in summary, the parable reminds us that it is important to help and care for the needy in our community, Christians or any other needy persons, because helping and caring for them is like helping and caring for Jesus himself. It is also important that our discipleship journey involves developing an attitude and habit to help and care for the needy in our community. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And for us this morning, it is about helping and caring for the needy in our community. Moving on, since all hate knowledge of heavenly principles is of no earthly use, let me share with us three practical steps on how we can grow in this area of helping and caring for the needy in our community as we draw this sermon to a close. 
First step, be intentional in helping and caring for the needy. In order to go in the area of helping and caring for the needy in our community, the first step is to be intentional about it. Be intentional in looking out for the areas of need in the people around you, in church or in the community. I believe that if we take time to pray and ask God to show us the needs of our community, God will surely show it to us because His heart is also for the poor, the less fortunate and the needy in our community and around us. In the earlier months when the circuit breaker measures first started, some of, some of our church lovely ladies from WSCS came together to make cloth masks for our church members who may have a need for them. The ones initially provided by the government were good, but the sizes may not fit our very young ones or the bigger sized people like me very well. So the team sold cloth masks of different sizes so that every church member who is in need of cloth masks will be able to have them. So special salute to the cloth mask team. When physical church services were required to stop meeting and our church services went online, another group of church members also came together to help members who may have difficulty connecting to the church services and their cell groups online. While some of us may be tech-savvy, for others who are not that familiar with online media tools, who may not know how to download apps from the App Store, this can be a challenging season for them to connect to our church services and cell groups online. So the team went out to help church members to provide them with the required devices and purchase data plans for them. All this so that these church members are able to watch our church services online and also connect to their cell groups regularly. Thank God for the team who helped these church members. They should be watching online now as well. So special salute to them who is known as the AMKMC Help Desk. Family and friends, these initiatives and help does not come naturally. Nothing will happen if we do nothing. They come about because we have church members who take time and effort to pray and be intentional about looking for ways to help and care for the needy who are in need of in our church and our community. So one practical step to start helping and caring for the needy in our community is to be intentional about it. To take time to pray and ask God to show us the needs of the community and to respond positively as God shows us the needs of our community. Step two. Be spontaneous in helping and caring for the needy. Besides being intentional, another step which we can take is to build a lifestyle of helping and caring for the needy in our community is to adopt a very spontaneous attitude when it comes to helping them. One of the lessons which I've learned in life is that there are always opportunities for us to bless, to help, to care for the people who are in need. People who are in need cross our paths every day. The question is whether we are open, ready to help them, and whether we are willing to stop and deviate from our plans, take some inconvenience, and help them. Sometimes, including myself, I think we think too much before helping others who are in need. 
you know, maybe it's my job hazard. Does the person really need help or is he trying to cheat my money? Is this a scam? Maybe God will send someone else to help the person. Sometimes we think our way out of the opportunity or until the opportunity passes us by. I guess we have to strike a balance somewhere. I can only say be wise, but don't think too long until a genuine opportunity to help and care for a person in need passes you by. The parable of the Good Samaritan also reminds us not to pass by on the other side. When we come across a person in need, don't be like the priest and Levite who missed the opportunity to help a person in genuine need. Your neighbor today is who God places to cross your path today. The second greatest commandment for us again is to love these neighbors, including people who are in need whom God places to cross our paths today. I'm always encouraged by one of my cell members who always goes out of the way to help and care for anyone whom he meets throughout the day. Once he shared how he helped an old lady push her heavy trolley home when he met her on his way home. Another time in cell group, he shared how he sat down and gave his lunch to another old lady whom he come across sitting in the park after he he packed his lunch from a nearby coffee shop and was making his way home. Have a spontaneous attitude towards helping and caring for people who are in need and requires help. That God places to cross our paths each day. It will cost you some inconvenience for sure, but giving time, money, effort are all part and parcel of helping and caring for someone in need. Let us pray together for God to open our eyes to the people who need help that God has placed to cross our paths each day. Let us pray that we will not pass them by on the other side, but let us have a spontaneous attitude in helping and caring for them as they cross our paths today. Step 3. Join the COSC ministry. Start somewhere. Get involved. The third step we can consider to build a lifestyle of helping and caring for the needy in our community is to join the COSC ministry. To caveat, I was not paid by them. eh? But I can think of no better way to start a journey of helping and caring for the needy by being with people who are passionately helping and caring for them and also to be in an environment where there are so many opportunities to help and care for people who are in need. So to all the COSC ministry members listening online right now, it is time for you to type your best sales pitch in the chat box now. Start somewhere, get involved, and I'm sure God will lead you from there. Before I conclude, I would like to share that we are opening up a Zoom room for a time of prayer and ministry for about 15 to 20 minutes after the service. So as you listen to today's sermon, and apart from being encouraged to help and care for others, you yourself do have a need or require some help. I would like to invite you to join us in the Zoom room so that we can pray together with you. You can click on the link that is going to be shown on the screen. 
Enter the Zoom room with your name and we will pray with you there. Now a summary of what we have learned for this morning. Firstly, we learn from the parable that it is important to help and care for the needy in our community because helping and caring for them is like helping and caring for Jesus himself. Secondly, we learn that it is also important that in our discipleship journey, it involves helping and caring for the needy in our community. We are not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. And for us this morning, it is about helping and caring for the needy in our community. In terms of practical steps, we can, number one, be intentional in helping and caring for the needy. And that means to take time to pray and ask God to show us the needs of the community and to respond positively as God shows us the needs. Step two, be spontaneous in helping and caring for the needy. And that means to keep our eyes open all the time. And when we see God placing a person in need, crossing our paths today, don't pass them by on the other side, but have a spontaneous attitude. Go forward, help and care for them in whatever way that you can. It will take some time and some effort. It may cost you some inconvenience. But let me assure you that it will also bring a smile to God's face when you help someone in need. Step three, join the COSA ministry, start somewhere, get involved. If you feel led to join the COSA ministry, just drop the church office and email or text any of the church staff and we will definitely get back to you with more information. Parables of the future are not for the future. It is for us to apply for our, in our lives now. So sometime back, I was attending a ministry meeting and in the course of the discussion, many of the young members were using the chat function and typing many different types of hashtags spontaneously. For example, when we were talking about someone's success, they would type hashtag well done. When we were talking about someone's difficulties, they would type hashtag praying for you. To be honest, I was not sure and couldn't really understand what this new hashtag phenomenon was. I was like, just type what you want to say in the chat box. Lah. Right? Why do you need to type hashtag here, hashtag there, hashtag everywhere? Are you trying to save the space between the words by hashtagging? So when I started asking, I was then educated by these young members in our midst that the hashtag is used on social media websites and applications like Twitter to identify digital content of a specific topic. The aim is to help ourselves, other users, find messages with specific theme or content more easily. Therefore, it helps in the search function for all the related messages and photos when you subsequently need to review them. So not sure if you have noticed, I've entitled today's sermon as Hashtag Helping the Least of This. In the same spirit of hashtagging, my prayer is to provoke us to think that if we have hashtag every time we help and care for someone in need in the past, and if God today was to do a search on the hashtag helping the least of this in our lives, 
how many entries in your life will show up? Will it be a lot, a few, or no returns? Doesn't matter what is in the past, my prayer is that all of us will start to do something about building a life of helping and caring for the needy in our community today. The Bible tells us that all of our works are recorded for eternity. And I'm sure God does not need to use hashtag to retrieve similar data in our lives. But when God does retrieve the list of hashtag helping the list of this in our lives at Judgment Day, it is my prayer that today's sermon will encourage you and spur you on towards helping and caring for the needy in our community. Let us pray. So let us just take a few moments to let the words of today's uh, sermon and reflection sing in our hearts. And I ask that the Holy Spirit will just show us in our lives of how much helping and caring for the needy in the community and around us we are doing. And I pray that God will speak to us about helping and caring for the needy in our community. And I ask that we will just respond by asking God to help us to be more intentional, to be more spontaneous. And if God is leading us to join the COSC ministry or looking for opportunities, that we will take steps to do so after today. We want to also take some time to thank God for the COSC ministry, to thank them for their efforts and their work, and to pray that God will continue to use them to lead our church, to coordinate our church, so that we can care and help for the community in Namokyo. So Heavenly Father, I pray and thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And I ask that God, you will... Draw us towards helping and caring for the needy in our community and around us even more this morning. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.